Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning exactly how to optimize the gut microbiome to heal our bodies, moving on from past relationships and learning to love ourselves in the process, or finding hope and action during hard times in life. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. You guys have been waiting for this one for a while, and I promise it is worth the wait. I am so excited to welcome my friend Olivia from Organic Olivia to the podcast. Olivia is an incredible herbalist, entrepreneur, writer, and social media star whose mission is to bridge the gap between the gifts of Western medicine and the wisdom of traditional herbalism. After discovering TCM while experiencing chronic health issues, Olivia completed a three-year clinical herbal program in New York. She later launched her brand, Organic Olivia, which blends science with intuition to create focused formulas for teas, tinctures, and supplements that get to the root cause of all kinds of health issues. She is also the host of the amazing podcast, What's the Juice? And we actually did a podcast swap, so her interview with me is live over there. I talked about so much stuff that I haven't shared anywhere else before, including the health practices that have most transformed my own life. So I highly, highly recommend that you check it out. I will link it in the show notes, or you can find it by searching Organic Olivia wherever you get your podcasts. This is a wide-ranging episode. It's really chatty and fun and packed with thoughts and tips for so many different parts of our lives. We talk about hair health and growth hacks, pragmatic tips for moving through grief, why our blood flow is one of the most important links to health and how to improve yours, caffeine-free ways to boost energy, what traditional Chinese medicine is and exactly how it works, a TCM plan for treating the root cause of a lot of gut issues, how to follow a TCM circadian clock to maximize your energy, the one change that will make your periods way more comfortable, a one-week plan to address burnout, the surprising change that eliminates sugar cravings, super tactical advice for starting and growing a business, what microbiome-modulating herbs are and how to use them to transform your gut health, and so much more. As always, Olivia and I would both love to hear your thoughts as you're listening, and I really want to know what tips you decide to try out, so definitely screenshot and tag us both on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody, and she is at Organic Olivia. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, a family member, or coworker so we can all improve our periods and our hair and our businesses. Sharing is the best way to support the podcast, and it's so appreciated. We also have an amazing giveaway for this episode featuring some of the life-changing products that we mention here, so definitely stay tuned until the end to find out how to enter. You do not want to miss this one. Oh, and don't forget, we now have a Facebook group specifically dedicated to discussing the podcast episodes and any and all related topics throughout the week. I am so excited to be able to create a forum where I can not only interact with you, but you can all interact with and help each other. I will link that in the show notes. And not only that, but we're beginning to put together groups of people in cities all around the country that love the Healthier Together podcast and want to have their own podcast clubs. It's like a book club, basically, but you discuss a podcast episode instead, so it's much easier. And I will link the sign up for that in the show notes as well. Okay, let's get right into it with Organic Olivia. Thank you so much for joining me on the pod today, Olivia. It's so fun to get to hang out with you in person. 
Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We can get comfy cozy. Your jeans are unbuttoned. I'm relaxing back into my comfy armchair, whatever, in this green space. It's really beautiful. It's Yeah, it's a little serene serene spot in New York City. Where do you live in the city? You don't live like in New York City proper, right? I'm not a city girl. I am a suburb girl. Okay. Born and raised in Yonkers, YO for anyone out there. And I live now in like an even smaller town near Yonkers. So like very much a Westchester gal in the suburbs. We have Nick in here too. I feel like Nick is like famous in his own right and people are going to be excited to know that his presence is here with us. We say that his title for the company is Vibe Creator because when he's in a room or when he's with the team, you know, we're visiting our West Coast part of the team. He's just setting the vibe. I love it. Has it been hard to transition from dating each other to working together? I would say it's definitely been a constant challenge that we literally will have to say, okay, it's relationship Olivia now, or okay, it's work Nick right now. We'll have to literally set the archetype that we're going into and draw the boundaries. But it's been a great practice in terms of setting boundaries in general, because I think if you can set a boundary in your closest relationship where the depth is the greatest – you can set boundaries in your other relationships really easily. What do you think that people usually get wrong about setting boundaries? That sometimes we don't set boundaries because we're trying to protect the relationship somehow, and it's actually not the right way to protect it. There's going to be a sting, a Band-Aid that's ripped off, but it's going to feel better in the long term. Actually, just being honest might sting at first, but you guys are going to have way less resentment, have way more fun, laugh a lot more after that's done, and like have a better relationship and better everything. I totally agree. It's the thing that we all avoid because we think it's going to be worse for the relationship, but every time I've sat and stuck to a boundary, it's made my relationship, whether it's a friendship, a family relationship, a romantic relationship, so much better. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's funny because for a while I was telling Nick, I really want you to take more of a role here. I really want you to step up here in the business. And I would be like, why isn't that happening seamlessly? And I realized that he was actually trying to protect our relationship because whenever he would step up a little bit more and spend less time on the relationship and more time working or get more into his work archetype – we would have more friction in the relationship because we weren't setting boundaries. We weren't saying, hey, when we go out to dinner on Friday, we're not going to talk about work at all. Yeah. Or, hey, when we go and take the dog for a walk, like that's not the time to bring up how that job description is going on LinkedIn. We literally had to be so serious about what are the times when you would like to talk to me about this? Can you set a meeting with me on my Google Calendar? We just started family meetings every Saturday, which was huge for us. Okay, wait, what's a family meeting? Dogs invited, I assume, because it's full family. Yeah, dog can chill. So my therapist brought up this idea because I told her this friction that we were having. And she said, you need to treat this like you treat any other part of your business. You guys need to be the CEOs of your family. And you need to really seriously sit down on the weekend. The first family meeting is going to be the longest because that's where you're going to look at the energy leaks in your time and your relationship, all that stuff. So our biggest energy leak was literally not putting things on subscription. Like how annoying is that? Not putting paper towels or toilet paper on subscription. And that was an energy leak because then you would spend time thinking about, oh, we need toilet paper. Who's getting toilet paper, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. Or we'd be like, oh, I need to run to the store today because we just ran out of toilet paper. Or even like who's who's going to be the person in the relationship that's going to refill the toilet paper on Wednesday night. And little things like that that you in a relationship argue over. And you're like, why are we arguing over this? And it's because you don't have systems. And the same way that you need operations and systems in a business so that there's a protocol and everybody feels safe on what to do and nobody feels like, well, that's not my task. That's not in my job description. That's not in my weekly roster of my task list. 
you need the same in a relationship and it's not going to be sexy. It's not going to be the hottest to be like, yeah, on Wednesdays, I need you to check the toilet paper status in the (laughs) master bathroom. But once that's out of the way and all of this stuff is on subscription and everything is ordered and taken care of, and then you have a system for when it comes in, here's where we're going to put it. We've realized we have to have very tight organization systems. We have to have lists all over the house. We have to have a big family calendar. We're visual people. So that just cut down on our fights. So that was part one of the family meeting. And then part two is like, okay, let's go over our schedule for the week. What days am I going to be recording a podcast? What days are you having business calls where I need to leave you alone? So there's that. So we check in on our schedule. We sync our Google Cals. We talk about any family stuff that needs to be handled, my mom's care, or you know, when we're going to spend time with our parents or whatever it is. And we just schedule everything out on that Saturday. We talk about finances, how our accounts are doing, where we need to budget that month. We just kind of talk about it all in that Saturday meeting. And before you start the meeting, start with love and appreciation. So... I love this about you. I really appreciate that this happened this week, or I've really been seeing you in this way, and I love that about you. And then you sandwich on the other end of the family meeting with some sort of excited planning moment, whether it's planning a date night or planning your next vacation, so that it's not just all annoying day-to-day systems planning. I love that, though, because I think it takes – the systems planning is going to need to happen regardless. So it's either taking these micro moments that are taking you away from the rest of your life all the time or you're just bunching it all together and having this one big chunk that frees you up the rest of the time. So we're going to get into your whole, like – business empire that you've built, which I'm so impressed with, and I I just think it's amazing. I'd like to start with something far more important and professional and deep, I think, which is your hair. (laughs) I was like, what are you going to say? It's going to be my zodiac (laughs) sign? I knew a cheeky joke was coming. Your hair is insane. Thank you. It's beautiful in real life. I can say to everybody listening, your hair is just (laughs) as good in real life as maybe even better. It's so long and lush. And also one of your most successful products, I think, is your main magic, which is an incredible – it's like a hair growth – what do you call it? It's like a hair tonic. I call it a blood tonic because in Chinese medicine, your hair is an extension of your blood. And it doesn't mean just your physical blood. It's such a tough concept to talk about in a Western lens of like what we're used to. Yeah. So there's a component of your blood quality. So your iron status, your B vitamin status, those things matter for your hair. And that's definitely involved in the Chinese medicine lens of blood deficiency or sufficiency in quality. But it's also your blood is almost a, a mirroring of your chi or your adrenal health in Chinese medicine. Okay. So in a TCM lens, your body is basically really smart and it's going to conserve a ton of your blood, quote unquote, or your fluids, your nutrients, your mineral stores, your juiciness, your vitality, your chi, your adrenal reserves, all of those things. It's going to conserve that for your vital processes, right? Like keeping you alive, keeping your heart pumping. Makes sense. Keeping you digesting, right? It's going to put all of your blood into your stomach when you're digesting. And if you don't have enough, quote unquote, blood or enough quality blood, enough minerals and nutrients, your blood is not going to be able to go to your hands and your feet or your scalp. So oftentimes women who are having trouble with their hair are also experiencing cold hands and feet because of that blood circulation aspect. So Main Magic, our blood tonic, our hair tonic is not only designed to nourish your blood with blood nourishing herbs, which are basically adaptogens and adrenal tonics that help with your nutrient and mineral reserves and your energy reserves. But it's also a tonic that helps to move your blood and helps to support circulation so that your blood and those nutrients can get to your hair follicles to actually feed them. So would other circulation-based practices help if you wanted to help your hair? 
Rosemary water is a great way to just get started with boosting your circulation. Obviously, that's a topical where you're spraying rosemary or peppermint or something that brings blood circulation to the scalp topically to just stimulate that flow. And is that just like making a rosemary tea essentially, like taking some rosemary sprigs, soaking it in hot water, and then spraying it on your head? Yeah, exactly. And you can also save some of that and drink it internally because rosemary tea, parsley tea is really good for your hair as well. That's like a Western version of a blood tonic. There's so many Western herbs that would function as blood tonics in the TCM world, which is a bridge that I'm trying to (laughs) create as part of my work. So a rosemary and parsley tea, if you take internally, is a really wonderful blood tonic for your hair. And then, yes, saving some of that rosemary tea and spraying it on your scalp and just rubbing it in. What about stuff like manual practices. I'm thinking like massaging your head, sauna, dry brushing. I'm thinking of other stuff that kind of moves blood around your body. Yeah, I think there's that moving blood aspect, which of course is very important. So scalp massages, just head massages. I think a lot of the time when we, especially as women, get jaw tension, it's not really tension in our jaw. It's actually in our scalp. You'd be shocked at how much tension we hold in our scalp. And if you just actually focus for five to 10 minutes on your scalp itself, rather than like trying to release here, it makes much more of a difference. And it would actually like release your jaw as well. Yeah. For me, that that's what helps more than like a trigger point here. I hold it in my scalp. So having your partner even do a scalp massage, Nick is very good at those. I mean, you're anything that's constricted and tense and tight, any sort of tense and tight tissue is experiencing stagnation and stasis. So warmth can't move past it. Blood can't move past it. So if your scalp is tight, that means that blood can't get there. So part of that picture is not just moving blood, but also relaxing more. And that's where the adrenal picture comes in. I think so much of hair health internally is really your adrenal health because when you're in fight or flight all the time, you know, your HPA axis, which is your hypothalamus, pituitary adrenal axis is dysregulated and you just can't get yourself into parasympathetic rest and digest mode enough. Yeah. Then not only are you tense and tight, But again, in Chinese medicine, stress consumes your blood and your fluids. You're just literally self-consuming. So any kind of nutrient and mineral stores that you're trying to intake through your diet, that stress is kind of burning through it as quickly as you can eat it. Just focusing on adrenal health is really big for me. I think adaptogens, again, main magic is full of Chinese herb adaptogens, but other adaptogens like ashwagandha, eleuthero are really wonderful for our hair. And managing stress in a way that is like – I hate sometimes when people say that because it's like, how are you supposed to reduce or like yeah. manage stress like in our world? Like I'm stressed to work on my stress right now. <laughs> exactly. So I've just realized that life is always going to be full of stress and pain and bullshit. And I've realized that the only way to reframe stress is to A, accept that and kind of stop waiting for everything to be great to act on things. And B, to realize that you can experience stress without being distressed. And I think that's really important. So you can reframe it mentally of, hey, I'm stressed about this right now because it means something to me. It's life giving me a red flag that like, hey, this is important to me. This relationship's important to me. This job is important to me. Or I've created something really great here. And that's why I'm stressed about it. That's beautiful. I love that. I do that with anxiety too because anxiety can be sort of reframed as excitement because it's a lot of the same feelings that you feel palpably in your body. And I struggle with anxiety a lot. And I think reframing it is like, oh, this is actually something I'm really excited about. I'm charged in a different way. It's been really helpful for me. So I love doing that with stress as well. Yeah. It's just reframing it in whatever way works for you. And I love that connection with the excitement. 
And with stress, you can also just change the way that your body processes it. Often the way that we deal with stress could be overeating or not taking care of our bodies. And we can choose to deal with stress by taking care of our bodies, by choosing to sit in it and feel the really tough emotions. And even by using herbs to cope with that, right? A little bit of rose tea can actually help you really be with your emotions, especially grief, which I think is a big one that we don't talk about enough that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Just learning how to be in your body and be with your emotions so that the stress is not something that you're constantly running from and avoiding because I think that that just makes it so much worse. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Guys, we have such a fun sponsor today. You are clearly listening to the amazing organic Olivia share all of her knowledge today, and I bet you would like to hear more about some of the amazing products that she's mentioning. Olivia is so cool. She's a trained herbalist and Chinese medicine practitioner, as we talk about in this episode, and she distills all of that into powerful tinctures, capsules, syrups, and teas that truly get to the root cause of whatever it is that you're dealing with. Let's start with the teas because I am such a tea baby. I love to be doing something with my mouth at all times. You know what I mean? Get your mind out of the gutter. And for me, sipping on tea fills that hole so I'm not mindlessly snacking or doing what I did in my early 20s, which was smoking cigarettes. Yeah, whoops. Don't recommend that. They also help you actually drink enough water by making it way less boring. And if you steep them properly for at least 10 minutes and covered so the volatile organic compounds don't escape, you're actually getting a ton of health benefits. So it's a win-win-win. Organic Olivia has some of my favorite teas I have ever found. I drink the healer tea most days. It has plantain, calendula, peppermint, and chamomile. Here, I'm going to read you something from the website because I think it shows how differently they think about this stuff. Made with strengthening and soothing herbs that help coat, fuel, and protect intestinal mucosal integrity, this blend promotes healthy intestinal permeability even on days when you're indulging in your favorite foods, dealing with gas and bloating, or experiencing a bit of digestive stress. I just love that they were like, okay, what is the root cause of gut issues? How do we actually address that? They bring that same philosophy to all of their blends, which includes blends for urinary tract support, kidney support, brain health and energy, skin health, immunity, and more. You can also try out their wildly popular Main Magic, which is a game changer for anyone looking for a natural hair strengthener. It promotes healthy blood flow to feed the skin, hair, and nails, and people go absolutely wild for it. Everyone I know who's tried it sings its praises, and again, because you're addressing those root causes, it helps with hormone imbalances and other issues as well. Of course, I have a code for you. Go to OrganicOlivia.com and use code MOODY10 for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that is OrganicOlivia.com and use code MOODY10. Trust me, you need to get your hands on these teas. Now, let's get back to the episode. What have you been thinking about grief? I've been thinking about grief a lot recently too. I think because for me in the context of this really strange two years that we've all had and the fact that everybody I think is feeling like burnt out and overwhelmed and I think that has to do with the lack of processing that any of us have done over this mass international tragedy that we've all essentially experienced. Absolutely. I think with grief, we are taught to think of it as really just like a loved one passing. And like, that's about it, right? We're not taught to validate our grief as, yeah, a global pandemic that maybe caused us to lose a job that we really loved or not be able to start a dream that we had or lose touch with friends or lose some of the years in our 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever it is. And that grief is just as valid as a death. It feels like a death. 
And what I've realized is that there's a lot of micro grief as well. This year in 2022, I felt a shift, thankfully, because 2020 and 2021 were very difficult years. But this year I felt this really wonderful shift of like wanting to take action, wanting to move forward. And I've been making some major moves in my life. And what I've realized is that I was resisting those moves because with each forward moving action that we take, there are tiny little things to grieve in that process, even though they're good things, because right? Because there are actions that you aren't taking because you're taking an action. Exactly. You could be grieving the fact that you're doing something good for yourself, but that's causing you to disappoint somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or you could be grieving the old version of you that was really comfortable feeling powerless and comfortable. Or you could be grieving a friendship that was a better fit for you when you were keeping yourself small or not setting boundaries. And now you're setting boundaries and doing what's right for yourself. And that dynamic is changing. I think grief is constantly the yin to the yang of pleasure. And we all want to feel so much pleasure and joy and happiness and accomplishment in our lives. But with every little bit of that, there's pain and grief on the other side that we just try to like push away like it doesn't exist. And we just celebrate the good things. So do you have pragmatic tips for sort of dealing with the grief or is it just realizing that it is the yin to the yang of pleasure? One is realizing so that you can, again, reframe your feeling around grief, that it's not all bad, that sad feelings are not the end of the world, they're not going to stay forever, and they are an inherent and indivisible part of happiness and joy. And then two is something that I've learned from my wonderful lymphatic therapist, who's not really just like a lymphatic massage therapist. She talks to your body and your organs and like channels messages from them. She's very interesting. Her name is Julia, Posture Massage in Stanford. She's amazing. She taught me this really wonderful practice, which is that when something happens, right, and you feel a little twinge of like, ooh, I'm supposed to be happy, but like I'm experiencing this sadness or this grief or this unhappiness and I can't fully feel my joy. And you realize, okay, I got to feel some of the bad stuff. What you can do is get all of your organs together mentally and hold a funeral, for that thing. Hold a funeral for the loss that you're experiencing. And you can ask mentally each of your organs to come up and give a little eulogy on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Your heart might have something to say that's different from what your adrenals have to say because your adrenals might say, that relationship was totally kicking us to the ground. We were not happy there. Thank God you're getting rid of this. But then your heart might say, but hey, that person was there with you for the best moments of your life. Like We're actually really sad right now. So I recently did this with stopping caffeine, which I saw you also don't drink caffeine. Yeah, I stopped years ago, and it's the best thing I ever did for my anxiety. So with caffeine, I went to Julie, and I was laying on her table, and I was like, Julie, I think I'm going to stop drinking coffee tomorrow. And she's like, thank God, because your adrenals are so pissed at you. And I was like, I know. I've been able to feel them. Like every morning when I go to the coffee shop, because I'm starting to feel so good, my adrenals are like, please don't take that sip. Like we are so zen right now. Why are you going to send us into fight or flight mode for no reason? So she said, yeah, yeah, your body's on board. She was like, we just need to like connect your brain back to your adrenals so that they can kind of like get the message to each other. And so she connected them and she's like, oh, your brain is pissed. She's like, it does not want to let it go. So she's like, you need to have a funeral with your brain. And it sounds so silly at first because you're like, this is bullshit. Does this really work? Like, are my organs going to come and talk to me? You'd be surprised at what comes up. And even if it is just your imagination filling the space, that's also like your subconscious voice and imagination saying something that you probably need to look at. 
I find these exercises actually really helpful because they create the space for your emotions to come through and for you to be playful. I think that's a really important, those last two points, like one, just giving space for ourselves to have those emotions. And then two, I do think being a little playful, a little out of your comfort zone, different things arise than when you're doing stuff the same way that you've always been doing things. I think it really creates a nice energy for that. But my first thought is that you have to be wildly in touch with like your body and your emotions to do something like that, especially if you don't have a Julie. Yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who's like, I feel so disconnected from like what my gut feeling about something might be much less my heart feeling or my adrenal feeling? I kind of consider myself to be in that boat. Like when I'm with Julie, it's easier for me. But when she tells me to recreate the exercise at home, I'm just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Like (laughs) I'm just going to go. So what I've found is that really the only time I can do these exercises at home is when I'm fully in my body. And for me, I need touch and sensation to be in my body. One is while I'm getting a massage. I can do these exercises in my head and I can actually like really leap with my mental healing because when I have touch on my body, I can just let my mind run in a different way. I don't know why it's maybe a sensory thing. But number two is that I can kind of mimic that in a bath. So in a bath, because the water sensation is all over my body and it's touching me and it's warm, It just helps me to like feel my meat suit a little more. Like it helps me to remember that I have a body and like connect with it and be in it. And it also kind of feels like a womb. So it just feels really safe. I'll do these exercises a lot of the time in the bath, especially before my period. Like I'll check in with my womb and my uterus and be like, hey guys, like ovaries, what's up? What do we need to release this cycle? And like, I'll just kind of talk to my body and my organs. And yeah, I still feel a little silly doing it sometimes, but You're also like so safe, locked in your bathroom, alone in your bath, and no one's going to see you. Yeah. And just see what comes up. Yeah. Crazy things come up. Yeah. So with the coffee thing, I laid on her table and she had my brain, whatever, come up to the eulogy and give its spiel. And my brain was like all ego. It was like, how are we going to get your work out into this world without caffeine? Caffeine is what helps us to be recognized for our abilities. Like (laughs) my brain had some like professor ass English accent. It was so funny. It was throwing a tantrum. And so I had to just bargain with my brain. And I sat there and was like, hey, I know that you might not be able to work as lightning fast as you've been for a while. And you might not be able to jump from task to task. But I can promise you that once we're over the hump of the caffeine withdrawal, your thoughts are going to be even more profound and more complete. So when you share them, they will be of higher value. And my brain was kind of like, okay, but are you sure we're ready? I was like, we're ready. The rest of the body really needs this. Can you just do this for us? Like, can you be okay with it? And I just bargained with my brain until I felt at peace. And we had the little funeral and we remembered all the good times that caffeine gave us because that's a really important part of the exercise and a really important part of mourning anything. You have to look at the good or else you're going to be resentful. And then we just said goodbye to coffee. And I didn't even have a headache. Like I had body aches. I had really horrible body aches, but I was most afraid of the headaches. And Julie promised me, she was like, if you do this exercise, you won't have headaches. And I was like, I don't believe you. That's so interesting. Are you doing any caffeine replacement type things? I'm doing just like Ticino, like the little dandelion, carob, dates, whatever. I love herbal teas, obviously, and I drink herbal teas all throughout the day that are non-caffeinated. But in the morning, you do just want something that's kind of mocha-y milky tasting. Like I just need a little bit of that until I can fully let go of that. But it's totally non-caffeinated. Is there anything 
in your sort of arsenal of herbs and wisdom that you can use to boost energy when you need it. So for our other caffeine-free babies, whether it's in the morning or I always do that like 3 p.m., like, ugh, I can't get through the rest of my day moment. Yes. Number one is adaptogens. Adrenal health is just everything. They power your energy throughout the entire day and they sync your nervous system up to your day and night waking cycle. So they help you to produce cortisol and your own energy reserves when you need them and then they help you to wind down at night. To me, taking care of my adrenals, especially in a post-caffeine body where I now need to kind of repair that endocrine tissue, adaptogens are what I lean on all the time. You can either do, again, like a single adaptogen if there's one that really jives well with your body, like just ashwagandha capsules or just Eleuthero capsules. I have an adaptogen blend in my line called Adrenal Recovery, but has Eleuthero, ashwagandha, a little bit of Penex ginseng, like just a tiny bit, a little bit of rhodiola for mood. That's something that you do ongoing. What about like if you woke up this morning, you knew you have a podcast to record, is there something you could do like today, whether it's something you take or some practice that you do to feel your best? In terms of what you can take, I also have a tincture called brain juice that is non-caffeine based, but it just has herbs that boost blood flow to the brain. So like ginkgo leaf, go-to cola, again, a little bit of Panax ginseng, literally less than 5% of the formula, just enough to give you a little warmth and yang energy. That's really nice. Like in the moment, I just do like a squirt of brain juice. But otherwise, movement is just really powerful. We know that engaging your leg muscles, especially like on your quads, those are some of the largest muscles that you have in your entire body. So anytime you're pumping your leg muscles, you're going to increase brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. I find myself these days before a lot of my meetings, I'm going on a 10-minute walk. No, not (laughs) – I mean squats, yeah. I have a girlfriend who used to – when she would do TV interviews, she was like a – really powerful CEO and she would literally do squats in the green room before her TV interviews. And I don't know if she knew that was why, but she just felt that it like got her in a mode. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's amazing. I'm going to just do that now, (laughs) but I'll do like a 10 minute neighborhood loop or I have a hill next to my house that I've been running up multiple times a day to actually get my brain to like release a little bit of dopamine. Because again, caffeine is like the easiest way for your brain to just release a big squirt of dopamine, which is a very happy, pleasure-seeking hormone that makes us want to be productive and want to talk a lot. So when you're withdrawing from caffeine or you're not intaking caffeine, you don't really have that huge dopamine rush that we Americans have come to love so much. Yeah. So little spurts of exercise can help you boost dopamine. Sex can help you boost dopamine. Human connection can help you boost dopamine. So I've been wanting to be more social. I've been wanting to go out and do things more. I've been wanting to like take a drive or go to the local restaurant and sit outside and like have a little snack and just be around people because my brain is remembering, oh yeah, we're a human and we have instincts on how to do this. Yeah. And even like my libido has shot up. It's so interesting how I'm now seeking that hormone in different, more human ways other than like sitting at my desk, hold up with my eyes open like this with a cup of coffee. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to today's podcast guest. You're definitely familiar with them if you follow me on Instagram because I've talked about them like a million times. I basically need to have my nails look cute all the time since I'm shooting so many videos with my hands in them. I also feel like having my nails be bright and happy and colorful is such a tiny, easy way to boost my mood. And there's actually a lot of science around how seeing beautiful colors makes us happier, so why not harness that on our hands, which we see all day long? That's where Olive and June comes in. 
I've been using Olive and June's Manny system to give myself at-home manicures for the past two years, and I'm honestly still shocked every single time at how good it looks. Since I used to do my nails at home before Olive and June, and it truly looked like a five-year-old had painted them. There are a few secrets to Olive and June's Manny system, which comes with literally everything you need to give yourself a perfect manicure. First, it is so much more affordable than going out and getting a manicure. We're talking like $2 a mani versus $35 for the same overall results. Also, it comes with the best nail clippers that I have ever used. They're really grippy so they don't slip, and they're straight across so you can do all types of nail shapes, not just oval. And then their cuticle serum is amazing. They actually don't think it's ideal to trim cuticles, and the serum makes it so you don't have to. And then there's something called the poppy, which you pop on the top of the nail polish, and it makes it so much easier to paint with your non-dominant hand. It's a genius little tool. It's wide and flat, so it's so much easier to grip than the tiny little nail polish cap. It stabilizes your hand, and it aligns the brush the right way on your nail so you get a perfect even stroke every single time. And then the polishes themselves are phenomenal. First of all, they literally look like gels. They are so shiny and they don't chip and they last for ages. I'm looking at my nails right now and I painted them like a week ago today, maybe even a little bit longer, and they look like I could have gotten a manicure this morning. They also have the cutest colors. I'm loving like bright, happy colors for spring, but I also think doing sort of like a neutral ombre is such a vibe and they have the perfect colors for both of those looks and so many more. I've honestly never been able to dream up a color in my head that I haven't been able to find on their website. And then the top coat makes everything look so polished and shiny and perfect. And here's a fun secret. Apply a new coat of the top coat every few days. It'll reinvigorate your mani and make it look absolutely perfect even longer. And of course, Olive and June's polishes are always seven free, meaning they're completely free of the seven toxic chemicals most commonly found in nail polish formulas. I'm wearing Energize on my nails right now, which is the prettiest light green, and I'm also loving Ura 10, which is like an orange sherbet color, and BP, which is the prettiest pale blue. I also think that the Malibu Sunset Set is so chic. Whenever I wear it, I get a zillion compliments. If you want an even more instant mani, Olive and June just launched their press-ons, which are not only so cutely designed, but actually stay put, are made from recycled materials, and don't damage your nails. If you would like to try Olive and June for yourself and have manis that last over a week, visit oliveandjune.com slash healthier20 for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash H-E-A-L-T-H-I-E-R two zero for 20% off your first Manny system. And then send me pics on Insta of your gorgeous nails. I am so excited to see them. Now, let's get back to the episode. We have a whole episode about dopamine where I interview Dr. Anna Lemke, who is a Stanford professor who studies dopamine really, really in depth. And she talks about how it's like a seesaw that you want to balance. And so if you're doing things that are pressing down strongly on one end of the seesaw, like drinking coffee or being on your phone all the time or these things that are just like dopamine bursts, you actually have a harder time on the other end of the seesaw. So you experience less pleasure, less motivation, all of these things. So you're just bringing your seesaw back into balance and that makes a ton of sense. Exactly. Wow. That's so cool. I need yeah. to listen to that episode. Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay. So what do you use on your hair like product-wise? 
So I am a really big fan of hair oiling, and okay. I really don't believe that you need to get like, a super expensive hair oil. I'm just not of that thought. I think you can do a plain old jojoba oil, a plain old argan oil. Like there's even some oils from like Eastern Europe that you can find even on Amazon that are burdock or horsetail infused. Really any oil that's not like olive oil. Wait, why not olive oil? My friend that's an esthetician just says to not put olive oil on your skin or your scalp. It's just okay. apparently not the best okay. for your pores. Don't tell J-Lo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she was like, listen, I love my girl J-Lo, but that is a bold-faced lie. But no, any oil that's non-comedogenic, that's not going to clog your pores, I just kind of cycle through whatever's in my bathroom cabinet at the time, whatever I'm trying. Before every shower for at least like eight hours, I will let oil sit in my Before hair. Before every shower? How often are you washing your hair? Every four days. Okay. So yeah. every four days you do like a full basically overnight hair mask with oil? Yes. I'll either leave it in overnight or like when I wake up as part of my morning routine, I'll be like, oh, it's hair oiling day. And I actually really enjoy it. I feel like it's a great self-care practice. So I'll do my hair oiling in the morning. I yeah. literally sit there and pour it on. I saturate my scalp. I'm really big on the scalp microbiome. If you look up dandruff and you really try to figure out like, okay, what is the cause of dandruff in like a scientific lens or how doctors diagnose dandruff, a lot of the time it's actually seborrheic dermatitis, which is caused by yeast. So I think a lot of people who are experiencing dandruff and notice that when their dandruff has an uptick and they have more itching that they experience more hair loss, there is like a yeast scalp microbiome issue going on there. I'm really mindful about using also herbs that are antifungal on my scalp. Like I'll infuse some Pot d'Arco in a spray bottle, like a tea, and spray it on my scalp and like let that dry before a hair oil to do some antifungal work. And I just try to keep my scalp really balanced. And there's also some like natural antifungal shampoos. There was this one called Brunessel that had like nettle leaf in it and this antifungal ingredient that they don't make anymore. So if you can find it on eBay, you're lucky. It's like a German shampoo. Okay. But I'm a big fan of antifungal ingredients for the scalp because I see the scalp as the soil and your hair as the plant. This is even if you're not experiencing anything that you would think of as like a fungal scalp <laughs> symptom. Yeah. I mean, again, if you have dandruff, you probably have a little bit of a – fungal overgrowth on your scalp. But also that comes from your gut anyway. So just as much as you can prevent blood sugar spikes in your diet by yeah. just making sure you have balanced meals that are fat, protein, carbohydrate balanced, the more you're going to prevent overgrowths of yeast because organisms like yeast really thrive and proliferate when you give them an opportunity to. They're opportunistic overgrowth. Yeah. Blood sugar spikes, they're like, hey, let's like come clean up the mess. Hair oiling, no matter what, I leave it in in the morning and like in that evening I'll take a shower if I don't want to like get oil all over my sheets and have to change my sheets. And then what are we washing with in the shower? Right now I'm using my last bottle of Brunessel, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm using Briogeo. I always do a deep condition in the shower, like okay. no matter what. So your hair oil and then shampoo, shampoo once or twice to get all the oil out. I shampoo twice to get the oil out. But I don't shampoo my ends at all. Yeah. I just shampoo the scalp. Yeah. I think that's a huge mistake a lot of people make with like long hair is like the ends don't need that at yeah, all. Yeah, they're going to also get a little sudsy no matter yeah. what as long as you're just like massaging it. And also Briogeo makes a really good scalp handheld massager. It's like a silicone or rubber spiky massager and I always massage my scalp. Yeah, I shampoo twice and then instead of using a regular conditioner, I just use deep conditioner. And do you do that all the way up or do you just do the ends? I would say I do it like almost all the way up. I try to not like cake my scalp with the deep conditioner so that I don't get oily as fast. Yeah. But I try to get it up here because I also want like the flyaways by yeah. the top to be <laughs> moisturized. And I'll leave the deep conditioner in for like 10 minutes while I'm shaving or whatever. I'll do the scalp massage. This is massage a serious sometimes. shower. 
This yes. is the ser- <laughs> it's the level four. Yeah, this yeah. is the real shower that, that we build up to mentally. <laughs> and then I have to like lay down afterwards. I'm like exhausted. I need a full mason yeah. jar of water with a straw. Like it's it's hard being a woman. It's rough. He doesn't understand. I'll be like, oh my god, I'm out of breath, and I'll be like, you just shower, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like I need a break. We've talked a lot about sort of the TCM approach to stuff. Can you explain? in brief for somebody who's never heard about traditional Chinese medicine before, what it is. And then I have some follow-up questions about it as well. So with Chinese medicine, there's kind of two schools of thought. There's classical Chinese medicine that stems from the Han Dynasty and some of the original texts from like 2,000 years ago that was a little bit more simplified and true to the nature of Chinese medicine. So it's all about really preserving your body's natural warmth and kind of like fighting away cold and cold pathogens, right? You want to kind of keep your body nice and warm and juicy and nourish your body and stay as warm as you can and wear hats and scarves and use herbs that push cold pathogens out of the exterior and like preserve your body's natural chi. That's like the classic thought as simplified as I can get it. Traditional Chinese medicine kind of flourished in the times of communism in China because they really wanted to preserve the system because it's actually the world's second most utilized medicine system next to Western medicine. So they really wanted to preserve it, which was great. That was like the upside of the communist influence because they standardized it. But that also lost the diversity of thought of like the classics and like the more simplistic style that you needed like a master to learn from where you learned pulses and patterns and all that. So traditional Chinese medicine kind of expands on that whole keep your body warm thing. And they have yang, which is warmth, and yin, which is cold. So there's like the whole system of yang and yin deficiency in the body. There's the organs. You have like your five main organs and then your kind of sister organs that go with those. So like the gallbladder goes with the liver, the stomach goes with the spleen, and then each organ element corresponds to a season, an element in nature. So liver is spring. It's the wood element. It's the color green. And there's like the five element wheel. And it's basically a system of how you can keep your body healthy by living in alignment with nature and noticing when you're experiencing certain emotional or physical imbalances that correspond to a specific organ meridian. And then using herbs or practices or foods that correspond to that to get your body back into homeostasis. And a lot of the work you do is sort of spanning the gap between like the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine. What would you say to somebody listening who's like, my chi is not controlling my health. My organs don't have emotions. Like how can I get behind that as a system of medicine? I mean, I think like anything else is just a lens. It's like what you choose to see the body through. I think that it's interesting that Ayurveda has very similar concepts to Chinese medicine. Like in Chinese medicine, we have this concept called dampness, where you can have this excess dampness in your stomach that's slowing everything down and making your digestion really weak and cold. And in Ayurvedic medicine, that would be like a kapha excess. So it's interesting to look at how all of these ancient cultures were kind of saying the same thing, and that can kind of pique your interest and be like, okay, maybe they were onto something. There's also a lot of science nowadays that shows the efficacy of traditional Chinese herbal patent formulas and even acupuncture. But yeah, it's just kind of my way of choosing to see the body through this lens because it's a lens that has really given words and solutions to these patterns that we see and that I see in the body over and over again. And that often Western medicine doesn't necessarily have a way of talking about or looking at yet. 
Exactly. Like, why are thyroid disorders so common when it comes to PCOS, right? Like, those in Western medicine would be two totally different specialists that you see that are not speaking to each other. You'd see an endocrine specialist and then a – or, like, you'd see a thyroid specialist and then a hormone specialist, right? But in Western medicine, we're separating things so much that in Chinese medicine, it's like, oh, of course that makes sense. It's because the liver is involved in spreading your hormones and then the thyroid is within that channel. So when that's off, everything else within that channel is going to be off. It just gives you a more cohesive, holistic map of the body, in my opinion. And again, these symptoms that I see connected time and time again, like why does every woman with hormone issues have gut issues at the same time? There's just an answer for all of that. Why does every woman with hormone issues have gut issues at the same time? Well, often it relates to, again, dampness in the body. So dampness kind of starts in the gut from poor digestion, from cold digestion, cold foods, overeating, anything that kind of dampens your digestive fire or makes it colder will reduce your digestive capacity to where whatever food you eat, instead of being transformed by the fire and turning into nutrients that you can spread out to things like your hair, will now turn to dampness instead. And dampness in Chinese medicine is the substance that's really sticky and heavy, and it likes to kind of get stuck in different parts of the body. So like Hippocrates once said, everything starts in the gut. That's the root of everything. That's very much in line with Chinese medicine. Dampness starts in the gut. You always want to keep your stomach and your gut warm to prevent illness. But when you don't and things start to turn to dampness, that dampness can travel into the lower part of the body, into the uterus, the reproductive organs, and that can settle as damp heat because it's stuck. So heat starts to build up. It has nowhere to go. It's like tires burning when you're stuck in a ditch. So that damp heat starts to create growths of things like fibroids and cysts, and you start to get this like dampness, this stuckness in the uterus. That dampness can also go into your liver. So think about your digestion or your metabolic health, right? Like your metabolic fire or your digestive fire is not on point. The foods that you eat can spike your blood sugar. In Chinese medicine terms, it's hard to make a parallel, but every time you spike your blood sugar, dampness is going to form in the gut and in the liver because the liver is also processing a lot of glucose and you're going to start getting fatty liver or you're going to start getting high triglycerides, which are sticky substances that go over the cells and block the insulin and glucose from getting inside the cell. Dampness kind of like starts in the gut, but it can spread everywhere. It can spread to the liver. It can affect your hormones. It can spread into the uterus and... I always say that my life's mission is to fight dampness and keep my digestifier warm. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Okay, I have a confessional moment here. I actually stalked this company years ago when I was first starting to work with sponsors because I was so obsessed with their product. It didn't work out to work together at the time, but it feels really, really cool years later to be able to share them with you. I really like to use these spots as a product recommendation tool to talk about brands that I am obsessed with, and this company absolutely qualifies, and it just feels really special to be doing this partnership after loving them for so long. I am so excited to share Dry Farm Wines. Years ago, I spent a while researching and tasting and just doing a deep dive into the world of wine, and I was shocked to find out that the vast majority of the wine that we buy at the store actually contains a ton of stuff that they're not required to disclose on the bottle. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking in the U.S. We're talking dyes, thickeners, chemicals to make it more tannic or less tannic. Basically, they're taking the fermented grapes and trying to standardize the flavor universally, make it shelf-stable, and rushing the vine-to-bottle process. 
not dry farm wines. Dry Farm Wines is leading the natural wine movement by sourcing wines according to the world's strictest criteria. Okay, to start, their grapes are organically and biodynamically grown on small family farms, which is honestly so rare and such a good thing to look for in your wine. The wine itself is totally free from toxic additives, sugar-free, low alcohol, lab-tested for purity, and even keto and paleo-approved if that's something that you look for. Wines that have been looked after with this kind of care typically come at a really inaccessible price point, but not dry farm wines. They're significantly more affordable than anything else that I've found of this quality. And the impact of dry farm wines extends far beyond the wine in your bottle. Their farms comprise roughly 7% of all organic vines in Europe, and supporting these small family vineyards helps preserve the healthy soil and dynamic biodiversity, which I love so much and I think is so important. They empower the 600 small family growers that they source from to focus on regenerative farming and to succeed without having to sell out or over-industrialize. Not to mention they only source from growers who don't irrigate their vines, a process called dry farming, hence the name, which saves roughly 16,000 gallons of water annually. This is the real deal, you guys. Less than one-tenth of one percent of the world's wines are grown to these standards. You can order Dry Farm Wines directly to your door and every box is shipped free of charge. They also have a 100% happiness guarantee, which is absolutely wild. Any bottle you don't love, Dry Farm Wines will replace or refund. Literally, no questions asked. It is amazing. You can go to dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together to try it for yourself. And when you do, you'll receive an extra bottle in your first box for just one penny when you sign up for a subscription. That's dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together for an extra bottle in your first subscription box for just one penny. Happy sipping. Okay, a few questions. One, do you think that we're going to someday in Western medicine be able to like do an MRI or something like that and look at our body and be like, that's dampness. We've figured it out. Or do you think looking for these one-to-one correlations just doesn't work and they're fully different systems? I mean, again, dampness in the gut would be like overgrowths, like fungal overgrowths, right? Like candida is like white and sticky. So we kind of have already figured out what that looks like from a Western medicine perspective? Yeah. Like if you want to sit there and put the pieces together, which is what I like to do. I mean, hopefully I'll write a book about this one day. But yeah, dampness in the gut would be like overgrowths. You can measure that on a GI map test. You can see if you have an overgrowth of candida or certain gut bugs. Dampness in the liver, again, would be high triglycerides or fatty liver, which you can see on a scan. Dampness in the uterus would be overgrowths and cysts and fibroids. So you can see that. And again, these are the concepts that Chinese medicine, when they see a woman that has fibroids and assess her pulse and her overall body, will often find, yeah, there's damp heat that's stuck in the lower jowl. And then are most people damper than we would want to be? I think in the Western world, yes. Not everyone kind of gets stuck with it. I think some of us get more stuck than others and just have a longer history where we just kind of let it build up, usually not to our own doing, right? For me, dampness is like my biggest issue. I'm always working on it with acupuncture. It's gotten a lot better over the years. My gut health has gotten a lot better. I've gotten rid of a lot of those overgrowths, but when I'm out of balance, I'll always go towards dampness. Throughout my childhood, I grew up in the 90s, so I ate a lot of like very cold processed foods. I yeah. didn't really have a lot of home-cooked Did you meals. Have Lunchables? Yeah. I love Jimmy Dean breakfast sausages, Eggos, Lunchables, bologna sandwiches, like Wonder Bread and peanut butter. I just didn't really have a lot of 
warm, nourishing, home-cooked meals. Both my parents worked. Like, they just didn't know better. It was like the age of convenience where they were like, okay, this seems great. Like, I can feed my kid this and we're good. So I had gut issues all my life. I always dealt with signs of dampness. I always struggled with my weight as a kid. And so I spent all of those years, like, essentially putting out my digestive fire because I was eating cold, processed, boxed foods that didn't have a lot of chi in them, didn't have a lot of yang chi, like a soup would or like freshly cooked rice would or any home-cooked meal would. So I spent a really, really, really long time creating cold, damp stagnation in my gut that kind of like spread to other parts of my body. So by the time I started doing acupuncture and working with herbs, every acupuncturist has been like, oh my God, you are just so cold. You really have a lot of dampness. So I have to take extra care to just make sure that I really limit the amount of cold foods that I have. So like ice cream and stuff, I'll really only eat that during like the warmest part of my cycle, like around ovulation. And I'll try to just like limit other damp forming foods like dairy and sugar and things like that. And that helps me a lot. If somebody suspects that they're damp or too damp and that might be at the root of their symptoms, is there like for a week, could they try eating mostly cooked food and drinking a lot of teas and things like that? Like what would be sort of like your week, try this and you'll feel better maybe plan? Yes. For a week, try eating cooked meals. Try eating breakfast if you don't because that's like a really – in Chinese medicine, you want to eat a little breakfast every morning even if it's something small because you want to kind of ignite your digestive fire in the morning, throw a little log in there, and then keep throwing logs throughout the day to keep the fire going rather than like have no fire at all and then throw a huge bunch of logs Mm. on it at lunch and think that you're going to kindle a fire. So Chinese medicine is not into intermittent fasting? Definitely not into intermittent fasting. Okay. And also a lot of studies on intermittent fasting nowadays are done on men. I really don't think it works well for women's hormones and the four different phases that we have throughout our cycle and again for our adrenal health. When your body is already stressed out 24-7 and you're in fight or flight and – can't even sit down and meditate because your thoughts are going a million miles an hour, that's probably a good sign that you should make your body feel safe and have a little bit of breakfast. And if you're not hungry in the morning and you're nauseous in the morning and can't eat, that's even more of a sign that you're in fight or flight and sympathetic dominance because your body has a circadian rhythm and it's totally designed to be hungry in the morning with the sun. So eat breakfast. Eat breakfast. Eat breakfast. And if you can have something that warms your digestifier for that breakfast. So especially if you're not hungry and it's hard for you, I recommend having a breakfast soup. Nick and I prep this like butternut squash carrot ginger soup that's super easy, just a few ingredients. We prep it like twice a week, just put it in mason jars and heat it in the morning to have as a breakfast soup. That just starts your digestifier for the day. Eat cooked foods throughout the day and then just drink ginger tea. Like make a pot of ginger tea in the morning, get a nice hunk of ginger, cut it up into slices, throw it in a pot, Bring to a boil. Once it starts boiling, bring down to low and simmer for 20 minutes and just sip that until the afternoon. Is ginger just like really wonderful for alleviating dampness? Yeah, ginger just really stokes that digestifier. And really what is going to transform the dampness is your own digestive fire. Like you want to stoke your fire and your digestive capacity enough to where your body can digest the actual dampness. Again, this is Chinese terms. So if you think about it in Western terms – Ginger is very antimicrobial. It's antifungal. Again, dampness being gut microbiome overgrowths and gut dysbiosis. Ginger is going to help your body take care of that dysbiosis by warming up the stomach, increasing digestion, and also imparting these beautiful antimicrobial phytochemicals that are actually going to modulate that microbial terrain. 
And from a Western perspective, is cooking the food just so that you're starting that nutrient breakdown so you can actually absorb, like increasing the bioavailability of everything? Yes, I would say 100% increasing the bioavailability. And in that lens, it's like increasing what you can actually absorb from the food by allowing you to have to do less work. It's like with babies, we're steaming and then blending their food into a puree so that they can digest it because they're so little and like weak and need that help and we're building their strength. When you're really stressed and burnt out and have digestive and hormone issues, you almost kind of have to treat yourself like a baby and get your food to the point where it's already pre-cooked for you. You don't have to expend the little bit of yang chi, the little bit of blood and fluids that you have left trying to break that food down. So get it to a place where it's already pre-cooked, again, in a breakfast soup where it's blended. The more that you can kind of pre-digest that meal before you feed it to your body, the less work that you're going to have to do to break it down so that you can conserve your energy and get energy from that meal. And then your body's going to start using that energy to heal. And then that means that it doesn't need to be forever. But this is while you're treating yourself like a baby and healing yourself. Yeah, while you have really severe gut and hormone issues, 100%. Is there a best time of day to do warm foods versus cold foods? I know that there's sort of like a TCM circadian clock that you can follow. Yeah, I mean, in TCM, essentially, we mirror the sun. TCM is always observing nature to see what our bodies want and what they do. So when the sun is the highest in the sky, like high noon would probably be the best time of day if you did want to have something colder to eat. But you definitely wouldn't want to eat cold foods at night because night is like the yin time. You don't really want to do anything that's going to throw you out of balance at night because at night you're replenishing and restoring your fluids. You don't really want to be digesting and expending fluids. You want to be rebuilding them and conserving your chi. So does that mean not eating too close to bedtime? I think some people when they are early on in their healing journey and when they are really, really, really adrenally burnt out and blood deficient, they might need a little snack before bed to help lower their cortisol. But as you get stronger, yes, I personally like to finish my meals around 7 or 8 p.m. Are there any other TCM circadian clock hacks? I encourage a lot of the people who are listening right now, we'll do circadian walks every morning to kind of set our circadian clock for the day. Do you have little hacks like that? I mean, according to the TCM clock, you really just don't want to wake up later than seven if possible. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Give us another one. (laughs) (laughs) But do you ever notice that when you do wake up before seven, you feel more energized like versus if you sleep after seven? If you mean like really grumpy (laughs) by energized. Okay. Five to seven is kidney time, which is equivalent to adrenals and hormones in Western medicine. If you can stop work around 5 p.m. and take oh, like some restorative. That sounds nicer. Okay, great. So restorative <laughs> yoga, a nice walk, connecting with a friend, some stretching from like 5 to 7 p.m. to really nourish your adrenals. That's the best time to do any kind of restorative work. Okay, I like that. Is there a best time to work out, like to do like a more aggressive, intense workout? When the sun is out, you would have the most yang chi to expend. You kind of don't want to be artificially pulling fluids out of your tissues to then sweat them out in the evening. So yeah, in the morning, 9 to 11, I'd say, or even earlier than that. I do that. I wake up later than I'm supposed to, but I do do my workout in the morning. Okay. So I'm good good on that perspective. (laughs) What do you do for workouts? I walk and I've recently been running hills. 
that's that's my vibe. I do a lot of walks, at least a good 10K steps a day. That's my workout of choice. I've never liked HIIT workouts and really intense workouts. And my acupuncturist is like, yeah, of course, you've been cold all your life. You don't have the yang to even want to expend the energy to work yeah. out. You don't have the energy. So don't do that until you're really warm and in, in amazing shape. Walking, I think, is the best medicine, the best exercise. Doing chores around the house is honestly great. Working in the garden, lifting bags of soil from one part of the house to the other, reorganizing, cleaning, all of those things really count as exercise. It's totally not about those little spurts of exercise that we do because then if you're sitting the rest of the day, it doesn't really count. (laughs) I agree. Can we talk about having the best period of our lives? I'm going to say ginger tea again. In Chinese medicine, you want to warm the womb. You think about cold When it's cold outside or it's cold in your room, you want to curl up and get under the covers. You get tense. When you're texting in the cold, your thumbs start to freeze up and they can't even move. There's no movement. So your period is all about blood flow. And cramps are essentially when your body is cramping up to try to push out that blood. So the warmer that you are, the more blood flow that you have with ease and the easier of a period you're going to have. So drinking ginger tea all the time or when you're on your period or right before your period? You can drink it when you're on your period. What I like to do is drink ginger tea or I have a tea with ginger in my line. It's called The Guardian. It has some other warming herbs, but really all you need is ginger. I do it about eight days before my period or the week leading up to my period. I'm really consistent. I'll prep a batch in the morning and I'll put it in a little clean canteen thermos that keeps it hot all day. And I'll just keep pouring it throughout the day and sipping a little bit of honey. Delicious. So many people time after time tell me that just this one change, just drinking ginger tea before their period completely changes their experience. They're less cold. They're less crampy. They're less tired. It's incredible. That's amazing. Do you lean into the other phases of your cycle? Do you do stuff for your luteal phase? Or is that a thing in Chinese medicine? Do you call them something different? Not in Chinese medicine. And Chinese medicine is part of my education. I went to Arbor Vitae, which is a school of traditional herbalism. We learned about the four phases of the cycle and how to be more in tune with it. I would say that I definitely just naturally have more energy leading up to ovulation and right after. So I just try to get as much work done in that time as possible. And then I try to really clear my schedule the first day or two that I'm bleeding. I wish that was more normalized. I was talking about that with my husband the other day because I had really bad cramps, but I had these meetings and all of this stuff I had to do. And I wanted to be just out of office. I'm on my first day of my period. And I feel like that should just be normalized across the board. I mean, plenty of times people will say, hey, I'm I'm just not feeling well today. I can't come into work. So why can't? And I just think it like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's wild the things that people do when they are on their period. Like people get married when they're on their period. People do the Olympics when they're on the period. People climb Mount Everest when they're on their period because you book this stuff so far out and then you're just on your period for it. Just the amount of things that people do when they're menstruating blows my mind. It's incredible. And I know what you mean. You can't, if it's again, a trip like climbing Mount Everest, you're not going to cancel that. But I have found that there have been really important things that I've been able to cancel that have served me really well. And I think that that's a big part of self-care. I think a lot of times we try to add things into our lives. How many things did I add into my life to try to stop the stress that caffeine was causing? I think that like saying no to things, saying no to commitment sometimes, whether it's going out that night, you know that you just got your period, but it's a girl's night and you've been waiting to go, but you just know you're not feeling it. Yeah. 
just saying no can be such an important form of self-care and setting boundaries. And sometimes I'll even tell like my podcast producer, she'll schedule me for a podcast on the day that I realize, oh my God, I'm going to start bleeding that day. And I just know I'm not going to be my best self. I'm going to be more cranky, frustrated. I'm not going to have the words come to mind. I'm not going to be sharp. And I'll just tell her, hey, would it be a bother to reschedule that? If it is a huge bother, then okay, great. I'll do it. But I try to just gently see if I can move things around. And then I'll just try to do like more creative tasks that day. Mm. I'll revisit a lot of my lists that I keep in my phone and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? This topic really interests me. Let me get back into that book and see what comes up and take some notes. And maybe a cool post comes out of it. I just try to do more fun work on that day. I love that. I think that needs to be done a lot more society-wide. And I think the more people like you who are speaking to a greater populace about that, the more that can happen. It's very permission-giving to see people like you say, no, I'm going to set this boundary and I'm going to stick to it. I mean, I have some girls on my team that I work with who like when they're having a really bad period, I'll just see it in their eyes and they're like, I don't think I can do this right now. And I'm like, listen, go rest. Like go to bed. Like why would I as a leader want to – for someone to push themselves past their limits to where they're actually going to be more blood deficient the rest of that entire month because they're depleting a little bit of fluids that they have left when they're already losing fluids and blood on their cycle. I think we don't think about people's long-term health and longevity and adrenal reserves, and that's why everyone's getting burnt out, is spending the best years of their life in these careers and trying to do as much as they possibly can versus how can I do this in a balanced way for as long as possible because I really love it. Yeah, I love that. Okay, we're going to talk about career in just one second, but I just want to touch on the burnout thing. If somebody's listening and they feel really burnt out, what is that from your perspective and what could they do really pragmatically to feel better? In Chinese medicine, it would be blood and fluid deficiency, quote unquote, which would be adrenal. So some sort of adrenal tonic. And when you say fluid deficiency, am I literally like, I should drink some water? So it's not as simple as water. My teacher says like people who are really fluid deficient already will go to the gym and be like, okay, like this workout, this really hard workout will energize me. So I'm just going to push myself and they'll sweat out all their fluids. And she's like, but replenishing those key fluids that have so many different minerals and electrolytes and nutrients in it, it's not the same as just drinking some water and putting them back in. Part of it is like water, part of it is minerals and nutrients, part of it is like your energetic reserves, your chi. It's very difficult for the fluids piece to put like a one-to-one. Would you be pro-electrolyte drinks or like a pinch of mineral salt and water? Yes. I love little Quinton mineral shots, love electrolytes. Like those are great, but really our fluids in Chinese medicine go even beyond to things like our essential fatty acids, our B vitamins. Every time you create a thought, you are essentially pulling nutrients out of your tissues and your reserves in order to create a neurotransmitter. Mm. Neurotransmitters cost nutrients. Yeah. So the more that you're spinning your wheels and thinking and working and pushing yourself when you're already deficient and depleted, the more you're just using up your reserves. So I would say fluids are more akin to reserves than anything. Nothing needs more reserves of minerals and nutrients than your adrenal. Your adrenals and your whole HPA axis, your whole endocrine hormonal cascade suffers when you're depleted of your reserves and your minerals. Could you give us a one-week plan for burnout? I don't know if it's going to be very applicable because I just want you to sleep. I always tell people when it comes to depleted fluids, when you can't just like take some time off and rest, if that's not doable for you, how can you find more rest and juiciness in the way that you're currently working? 
So is that taking more mini breaks? Is that working in a way that feels more restful, more boundaried, where you literally have a clock on and you're working for 20 minutes and taking a five minute break and you're actually sticking to getting up and stretching and walking around? Is that playing some music while you're working so that you're not as hyped up and stressed out? Is that removing caffeine so that you're not robbing Peter to pay Paul and depleting your adrenals further? How can you also replenish your fluids and reserves through the way that you nourish yourself? What is your relationship to nourishment? Do you even feel comfortable accepting nourishment, both physical and from others, in terms of letting people take care of you, asking for help where you can? It gets very psychological when it comes down to are you allowing others to take care of you? Are you reaching out and asking for help when you need it? And then nourishing your fluids in terms of fluid and blood building herbs and foods. So that can be things like bone broth. Beef gelatin is actually very nourishing in Chinese medicine to fluids specifically in the brain. So if you're really adrenally depleted and experiencing a lot of brain fog, collagen and gelatin is really wonderful. Even just making yourself some like gelatin gummies is really great. You can use some tart cherry juice or any kind of like 100% fruit juice mixed with gelatin and a little bit of honey and just make gummies and just take a few of those with your meals for some extra nourishment and amino acids, making sure that your blood sugar is balanced throughout the day because what often comes with adrenal issues and HPA axis fight or flight mode is constant stress, right? So by putting yourself on a blood sugar roller coaster every single day, you're just adding more stress into the picture. Adaptogens, if you look at like the traditional way that we see herbs, we really look a lot at flavor. And all of adaptogenic herbs and roots have this earthy, sweet flavor. Because midday you're burnt out and you're like, oh, I just need a little something for my brain. I just need some sweets. We're craving that sweet, nourishing, earthy, and grounding flavor that is found in adaptogenic herbs. So your cravings can tell you a lot when you look at where those flavors are found in nature. That's kind of how you can find the plant that's going to help you. Someone who's always depleted, always tired, needs that grounding energy of a nap and a nice sweet snack would be a person who's a perfect candidate for adaptogens. I think really everybody can benefit from adaptogens in our modern world. We're just living at a pace that's unreal, but especially someone who's dealing with adrenal issues, incorporating adaptogens into your life, maybe starting with the less energizing adaptogens first, maybe avoiding ginseng and rhodiola in the beginning and just going with more of like the eleuthero, the ashwagandha, the American ginseng, and just finding what works for you and also supplementing some of the vitamins that you're low in. If you are someone who has a lot of brain fog, again, a nice B complex can be really helpful for your mind and your adrenals. So what you said about what we crave and the adaptogens being a little bit sweet, would that mean if we have sugar cravings, we probably need that as well? So if we're people who are always reaching for cookies, always reaching for candy, we should incorporate adaptogens? Yeah, 100% and adaptogens tend to be blood sugar balancing as well. If you're always craving sweets, you're probably on a little bit of a blood sugar roller coaster, which adaptogens can help you with. But part of that sweet craving is the sense of being really depleted and just almost feeling like this emptiness that you need to fill with that sweet flavor. And the adaptogens can help with that depleted emptiness. Going on more of the spiritual and psychological side, when you're feeling really depleted of that earth element, how can you connect with the earth more? How can you connect with your roots more? How can you find more peace in nature throughout the day and moments of silence and quiet? I think... A lot of us have a lot of trouble with just totally being quiet. 
And I'm actually doing this course right now where our first homework assignment was to spend two hours in total silence the first week. And I was like, wow, I literally never do that. Never. I had to book a massage so that I could be quiet for two hours because I I can't, like I can't just sit there. Like a baby step. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only time I can really be quiet and sit with my thoughts is when I have physical stimulation for whatever reason. So that was my first step. Now I'm doing it more in the bath. And on my walks, I started to take no headphones on my walk sometimes. So I'll just walk with the dog in silence or I'll walk by myself in silence. And that really helps because at least I feel like I'm moving and I'm not as antsy. But silence can be really healing for your adrenals. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. I am so excited to share a podcast that I have personally been a fan of for years. It is seriously one of my most played podcasts, Organic Olivia's What's the Juice podcast. Olivia and I became fast friends earlier this year when I had her on Healthier Together, and we quickly decided that I needed to guest on her show too so that we could get into all of the juice of my own journey. And I got to say, it was very fun being in the hot seat. Olivia is an herbalist with her own line of formulas and one of the best blogs on the internet where you can learn about PCOS and period woes, breakfast ideas to balance your blood sugar, or how to quit caffeine for good. I'm telling you, this blog has endless opportunities for you to get lost down the health and wellness rabbit hole. And the best part is almost everything that she writes about on her blog is covered at length by experts on her podcast. If you're a fan of my show and you come back week over week, I cannot encourage you enough to check out What's the Juice by Organic Olivia. Our shows go together perfectly. We are both Leo women with a lot to say and the science to back it up. So cue up an episode of What's the Juice on your favorite podcast app. I suggest starting with season three, episode eight. It's not the stress you feel, it's the stress you avoid with Kelly McGonigal, PhD. And I also loved her recent episode about solo travel, but you seriously cannot go wrong with anything. You can find it by searching Organic Olivia wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, let's just touch on your incredible business. You've built this wonderful brand. It's so successful. You have so many amazing products. If somebody was listening and they had a nugget of an idea and they were like, I want to turn this into something, is there any advice that you would give them, something you learned along the way? Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think the most important thing that I do is ask the opinion of everyone in the room around me and like five friends that I text before doing anything. Because the more people that you ask, the more that you can kind of get ideas and see where your intuition pings. And then you never know that someone that you might ask about an issue that you're having or someone that you need to hire, they might have that connection for you already. So I just constantly ask everybody in my network, in my friend group, friends of friends, like, hey, I'm having this issue in business or I'm looking for this in business. What do you think about this? Should I do this? I just wanted to get your advice. And more often than not, they'll connect you to somebody or they'll have an answer for you or they'll just say something that sparks something within yourself where you're like, oh, duh, that's the answer. I would also say to go to conventions that are in your field. For me, when I was originally looking to find my manufacturers, I found out that a lot of supplement manufacturers will actually ship your stuff overseas and ship them back and be like, yeah, yeah, we're done. And it was so shady. And I just realized that like a lot of the supplement industry is really corrupt. I went to Expo West. It's this really big food and supplement and food manufacturing convention. A lot of influencers go there to just like meet brands and like get samples of foods. But on like the other side of the convention, there are so many great suppliers and manufacturers in the industry. That's how we met our manufacturer and some ingredient suppliers. And we got to see them face to face and then actually go tour their facilities and see that they were the real deal. 
Do you have any advice for knowing what you even need to do? Like I launched my first product this year and that was the first time I was like, oh, distribution center, like fulfillment, like all of these things that hadn't even occurred to me. How did you even know what the steps were? I just did them as beginner as possible. And then when something clearly wasn't working, I was like, okay, what else is out there? So like for shipping and fulfillment, right? Like we packed our own boxes for years. And then we were like, we literally can't keep packing boxes in my parents' (laughs) living room. Cool. What do you do now? And then you do a little Googling and you see that shipping fulfillment centers are a thing. And then you email or call around to different ones and get their rates and maybe go visit a few of them. Like, don't be afraid to go in person and visit the vendors and like companies that your business is going to be working with before you get into bed with them. You just learn by acting and making mistakes. Unless you have a great room of (laughs) networking and a lot of people and connections that can help you avoid those mistakes, that's awesome. I think at this point where I am in business, I have that. But when we started, it was just about messing up and being sold out a lot of the times and not realizing how to do things right. And the errors teach you. If somebody was like, I want to have that great room of like-minded entrepreneurs and people who can help me and people I can really get that type of wisdom from, but they don't have that in their community, is there any place that you would recommend starting to find that? I think not being afraid to like send out an Instagram DM to somebody that you admire and would love to learn from and just seeing what they have to say to you or seeing if you can build a relationship with them and not being afraid to go up and talk to people. I think that's another big one. I think we live in a world where we're like, oh, if someone's going to think I'm weird if I just go up to them and compliment their shoes or whatever. And I've met some really amazing people by just striking up a conversation and not being afraid to sound silly and they've become lifelong friends or mentors. If somebody is sitting there and they have just a seed of an idea or they're in the very early stages of a business, could you give us one very pragmatic, actionable thing that they could do today, but just something that could get them a little further down the line. If there's a niche that you're really good at or a seed that you have or something that you have that you want to bring to people and start into a business, start to teach people about it. I think that in the world of social media, everything feels like bought and paid for, but there's nothing like just sharing educational content and just teaching for the love of teaching. Because I think that that really shows people your passion around something and your capabilities around something and can be like the fire starter that ignites your entire business. So I would say make a social media account, start teaching about the thing that you are passionate about and that you love so much and that you eventually want to be your niche or your business and do it for the love of it. Don't do it with an expectation of making money right away. Don't go and get branding done first and then start teaching with like perfect font Instagram posts. Literally just put the camera on yourself, start talking, start teaching, make YouTube videos about it. People really love when they can see that you are passionate about providing free education. I also think we really underestimate how much we learn by teaching. Yes. Yeah. And by teaching, you'll start to get questions from your audience, whether that's five people or 100 people, and see what they need to expand that teaching. What don't they understand? What could you explain better? What could you turn into maybe an educational course in the future? You're only going to see your opportunities by talking to the people that will eventually become your community or your customers. I love that. I think building a community comes first. A lot of people expect to like launch a product or launch a business without having somewhat of a community first, and it doesn't have to be a huge following. You just kind of have to create your own little mark in the world and do it for the love of it. Okay, let's do some speed round. Okay. What is one thing you can do for your brain health every week? Moving your body using your leg muscles. One thing for skin health. 
supporting your liver detoxification pathways. That was a big one for me and my skin, especially before your period. If you break out before your period, some burdock and dandelion root teas. I have a tea called the cleanser in my line. I, I have a tincture called liver juice. And so along with the ginger tea that week before my period, I'll do some kind of liver support just okay. to get rid of some of that excess estrogen. And would you not want to put excess burden on your liver the week before your period? Would you not want to drink as much maybe? I would say definitely don't drink as much the week before your period and try not to stay up too late. One thing for mental health. Therapy is really important. Just finding a therapist also that you really love and trust. And also I think calling a friend. When I take a bath, I'll, I'll always try to FaceTime a friend. It always leads to really good conversation because the bath is woomy and no distractions and it's just you and that person. One thing for our gut health. Microbiome modulating herbs. I think it's really important to keep weeding with gentle antimicrobials. Rosemary in general is just a really good antifungal as well. Just keeping those gentle antimicrobial herbs in rotation throughout your week can really help to keep any opportunistic little bugs in check. One thing for relationship health that we haven't talked about yet. Separating tasks. This is something that I learned from the book, The Courage to be Disliked. Whenever there's a conflict and it feels like you're playing the role of the fixer for someone else or they're playing the role of the fixer for you and it's causing some resentment in the relationship. You sit down, think about the conflict or the area of conflict and write down a list of whose task is this. Mm. This is my task. This is not my task. And you have to ruthlessly separate tasks. And if it's not your task to fix, you have to tell the person, I'm sorry, you got to do that one on your own. I'm Ooh. here to assist and support in this way if you need it. I love that. That's wonderful. Okay. And then just leave us on one thing for self-care. One thing to make you feel really nourished and juicy in your own body and mind. I have a list on my phone called Life is Never Boring. Ooh. Whenever I have a moment where I'm like, oh, this would be such a good opportunity for self-care, but nothing's coming to mind right now. Or like, oh, I just don't know what to do. Or I'm too overwhelmed. I have decision fatigue. I go into that list of Life is Never Boring. Oh my gosh. And it's just a list of everything I can do in my home or in my car or whatever that I know will make me feel juicier and cared for. Oh my gosh, can you read us some stuff? Sure. I have water the plants, facial gua sha, face mist, face mask, <laughs> skincare routine, hair oiling, hot ceramic body massager. I have this little like ceramic massager that you put hot water in and it conducts like infrared heat and you massage your body. It's by Lanshin. It's so good. Dry brush my body, oil my body, use the sauna, do red light therapy, pluck my eyebrows. Grind up rose petals for a bath. <laughs> Do a custom muslin herbal tea bath. Take my minerals and vitamins. Start an essential oil diffuser. Light a candle. Pull some angel cards. Read a book. Gratitude journal. Draw, color, paint, puzzle. Wash my makeup brushes. Purge my closet. Grocery shop change my pillowcase. I love that. I love that because also everything is a different range of time. I think one of the hardest things is to fill these little interstitial moments in our life. And that's when we end up reaching for our phone and then we're scrolling TikTok and then hours have passed and we just feel like crap. And also I think we've lost touch a lot of times. We're like, oh, I wish I had more time for pleasure. I wish I had more time for joy. And then when we get that time, sometimes, at least I, sometimes I'm like, well, what do I do with it? Like, how do I find the pleasure? How do I find the joy? So I love having a little list to go to. Okay. So I'm going to talk all about how wonderful you are at the top of the episode. <laughs> but if there's anything you would like to say in your own words about yourself and the wonderful company that you've built, any favorite products you want to call out, now is the time. 
So as you guys have guessed from this episode, I am an herbalist. (laughs) So while I'm very passionate about kitchen medicine and giving you guys simple things that you can do with grocery store ingredients and spices to bring more herbs into your life, I do formulate my own products. And I have a whole range of different tools. And I kind of think of my products as these friends that help make your days smoother and easier. My two favorite products right now are Adrenal Recovery. That's my adaptogen blend. I swear by it. And then my Mood Juice formula. Mood Juice is really, really, really uplifting. It makes such a huge difference. It actually does help with everything from social anxiety to just feeling blue, especially PMS. So I've been using that because quitting coffee, you get a little sad sometimes. We just launched a tea line. We have a ginger-based tea in there for your hormones and your period. And you can find me on Instagram at organic underscore Olivia and at shop organic Olivia. That's more of my brand Instagram where we have my podcasts and our educational articles and stuff like that. Amazing. And you have a wonderful podcast called What the Juice, which we're just about to record me for. So if anybody wants to hear that, definitely go over and look for Olivia's podcast, which is called What the Juice and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Okay, so we're drinking rosemary tea and we're using it on our scalp. We're making ginger tea to sip on throughout the day. We're making our life is never boring list. What else do we got? I'd actually love to know what you're doing. So come join the Healthier Together Podcast Club Facebook group so we can all digest and process and learn together. And if you're interested in signing up to be part of a Healthier Together Podcast Club in your city, there is a form for that on the Facebook group and I will put it in the show notes as well. Okay, let's talk giveaway. Olivia is generously giving three lucky winners three Organic Olivia products of their choice. So three winners each get three products from OrganicOlivia.com, including Main Magic, the teas, the Adrenal Recovery Formula, whatever you want. On top of that, I am adding in a Healthier Together deck for each winner as well. We are literally completely sold out of these, so you can only get them through this giveaway. To enter, just make sure you're following me at Liz Moody and Olivia at Shop Organic Olivia on Instagram, and then comment on my most recent post what you loved or learned in this episode. The post doesn't have to be about the episode, just mention Olivia so that I know that you're entering. If you're new here, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We have amazing ones coming up, including a really fascinating episode about the health benefits of having fun and how to incorporate more fun into our lives and a leading expert on epigenetics sharing how we can hack our genes to change our health. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Okay, I love you and I will see you next week on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. There is so much incredible science behind red light therapy. There's research going all the way back to 1903 that won a Danish physician a Nobel Prize for showing that exposure to concentrated red light accelerated physical healing. And research from NASA has shown that it boosts the production of growth factor proteins and collagen, among many other incredible things. I am obsessed with red light therapy. It is so science-supported, and I've personally seen huge, huge benefits. I use Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device, which is a red light panel, so I'm not limiting its benefits to my face. I feel like the masks are so popular right now, but I would like to expose my entire body to the red light. That way, it helps with not only my skin, my collagen production, but also increasing energy, decreasing pain, repairing cellular damage, improving mental health and cognitive function, and so much more. You are not spending that much more money to get a panel versus a mask, but you get a much more versatile device with way more powerful effects. 
Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device gives you professional-grade equipment straight at your home for the best price that I have seen anywhere. You can stand your Max panel on the floor on any flat surface, or you can hang it on the back of a door. It is really lightweight, and it is so easily stored away in the closet when you are done using it for the day. You only need 10 to 20 minutes, so Zach and I actually meditate in front of it naked, uh, but there's lots of ways that you can habit stack it into your routine, so you do whatever sounds good to you. Check out Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device now on bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. Bond Charge products are all HSA, FSA eligible, giving you tax-free savings of up to 40%. And for a limited time on top of that, my listeners will get 15% off when you order from bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code Liz Moody at checkout. That is B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com. You will also get free shipping and a 12-month warranty. Go now to get this exclusive offer. That is bondcharge.com with promo code Liz Moody to get 15% off.